I was about to bounce off that platform. That bass sounded good in the house today, y'all. That was a good, that's a good mix, but my legs are like, if you see me shaking, that's not the, that's not the power of God this morning. <laughs> hey, Leviticus, turn to the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus. I told you a couple weeks ago that, um, and I believe it's Leviticus chapter 6. I'll get there in just a second. But uh, Leviticus chapter 6, uh, beginning at, at verse 8, and I'll read that in just a, m- a moment. I told you a couple weeks ago that I did a daddy-daughter camping uh, experience. And so my, my buddy has two daughters, and, and I took Anna, and so we did this daddy-daughter camping experience, and all of our girls loved the outdoors, so that was super fun. But I did something for the first time in my life. I did uh, Eno camping. Is that hammock camping? Has, has anybody ever, ever done that? So basically, let me explain to you what that, what that is. You don't camp um, in a tent. You camp in a, in a hammock. So I was, I was excited about it for a couple of reasons. The first reason was it was about a mile, 1.4 miles from where we parked the car back to the camping spot. And so I didn't have to carry a tent. And I was excited about that. These little hammocks, you know, fold up like that. And I just threw that in the backpack. And so, so that was cool. And then these seemed to be all the rage. And I'm looking at all these 20-somethings. And they're, they're sleeping in their, their, their tents and doing all of this extreme stuff. And, and I was excited about that um, until... I laid down in, in the hammock, and can I, you, you may have known this, um, but let me just reinforce what you already think, that your body is not made to sleep in the shape of a V. It's <laughs> like lying, there's a reason that beds are flat. Can I just, I, I'm just going to tell you that. And so I, I laid down in that thing, and already I'm like, what's going on? And then on, like, on top of that, I'm a stomach sleeper. Where, where are my stomach sleepers at? Wave at me. And that's not, you're not supposed to do that, right? It's all the, the sleep experts, and the people are like, you know, you're not supposed to sleep on, on your back. Well, that's fine, but I sleep. So I'm going to sleep the way I sleep, and I just sprawl out on my, on my stomach. So not only are, is your body not meant to sleep in a V, you are definitely not meant to sleep in a V backwards and, and kind of like arc backwards. So I didn't even try that. And then the other thing was, uh, right before we left, I accessed, do you have this app on your phone? I think it's called the Professional Liars of America app. You may know it better as your weather app. But I, I checked... I believe I checked the weather uh, before I went, and it said that it was only going to get down to 70 degrees at night. Now, I'm sure somewhere in the United States of America, it only got down to 70 degrees, but not where I was in the North Carolina mountains. I mean, it hit 70, and then it just kept going. And, and so I was not prepared either for the shape of my sleeping experience, and I definitely was not prepared for the temperature. Like, I had a sleeping bag. My daughter, Anna, did not have a sleeping bag. My daughter, for the most part, is impervious to cold weather. She jumps in um, creeks at my dad's house in Pennsylvania in December, fully submerged, doesn't seem to, like, impervious to cold. She was cold that night. And so I took my sleeping bag at three in the morning, and I exchanged it for her blanket, and I couldn't even get the blanket wrapped around me. And so it was just one of those nights. Have you ever had one of those nights where you were just praying for morning to come? Like, just, just God, just let the sun rise. That was, but, but I started, so the night before I had built a fire we had a good we had a good fire and the morning after I got up it was a little bit after six o'clock and I reignited that fire 
But it was during the, it was during the night. It was during the night. It was, dur- it was actually, it was during the time that I needed the fire the most that I had let the fire go out. And I, I started just thinking about all of the atmospheric conditions around us. And, and I started thinking like, if I, ju- if I just would, if I just would have had a fire, I could have walked through any of, of the, of the cold. If I, w- if I just would have had a fire. And I think some, sometimes we're quick to maybe push blame on external circumstances in our life. But if we got a fire, Come on, if we, if we have a fire, if we have a, a spiritual fire and we are responsible, can I encourage you and can I challenge you with this? You're responsible for your fire. You may not be responsible for the temperature of the atmosphere around you, but you're responsible for the fire in your heart. And when you get that and when you begin to take responsibility and say, and say I may not be able to control everything around me, but I can control my heart. That's my fire. Say my fire. Leviticus chapter 6. The Lord said to Moses, give Aaron and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar hearth throughout the night till morning. And the fire, the fire, you've got to keep the fire. Moses, you have to keep the fire burning on the altar. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It can't go out. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must not be kept, or the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. I want to preach, keep the fire burning. Fire is a key element throughout Scripture. God appears to Moses in a burning bush. God leads his people through the wilderness by a pillar of fire. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is represented by tongues of fire. And whenever God says to his people, I want you to take new territory, he tells his people to establish altars. Watch this. Where there's an altar, there's fire. And where there's fire, there's God's power, there's his presence, and there's his protection. If you want to live in God's power and his presence and his protection, then you build a fire. And when you build build a fire, when you have a fire, you've got to step back and build an altar. But sometimes I wonder if we've built an altar and forgot about the sacrifice and forgot to keep the fire burning because altars without a sacrifice and without a fire become statues. And statues may be good to tell you what happened in the past, but they're not very good when people need to be warm now. Like when I was free, freezing cold in the middle of the night, if I were to walk and look, oh, hey, there, a fire used to be there. That doesn't, that doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any good to drive down the streets of Cabarrus County and look at nice church buildings and say, oh, a fire used to be there. That doesn't do any good because people are cold and it's dark and people are lonely and they're hurting. And I'm telling you, people are drawn to the fire. And when things get worse and worse in this world, they're looking, people are looking for a fire. We need a church that is on fire. And if we have a church that's on fire, it will draw the world. But to be a church on fire, we got to be on fire. Say it's my fire. I can't, my pastor is not responsible for my fire. I want to help to fuel your fire, but I can't build your fire. 
Pastor Jamil is not responsible for the atmosphere during worship. You're responsible for the atmosphere during worship. Say, it's my fire. It's my fire. Nobody, whether they sing your song or not, it's my fire. Whether things go well for you that day, it's my, it's my fire. When I get to heaven, God's not going to look at the fire of my heart and say, what kind of atmosphere was around you? He's going to look at my heart and say, what did you do to fuel the fire of your life? There's, there's fires, and when these fires are built, they're, in, they're intentional. They're intentional. There's, there's three fires that I think we need to make sure are kept hot kept burning first is the the fire on the altar of my heart it says it says throughout the night throughout the night have you been through a night season recently have you been through a night season where things seem cold and dark, have you, been, have you been through one of those night seasons where you keep looking at your watch and say something like this, is morning, is morning ever going to come? Through the health situation that you're watching, God, is morning ever going to come? Through the relationship challenge, is morning ever going to come? Through the financial situation, is, is morning ever going to come? When I woke up that, that morning um, in, the, in the hammock, and I finally made my way back to the fire. See, if I just would have, I was so miserable. <laughs> I was so miserable that I didn't do the thing that I needed to do. Like, have you, have you been there? Have you been under such a heavy attack of the enemy that you knew you needed to pray and it's like you couldn't even pray? Like, I, I knew I needed to be in the Word, and it was like I couldn't, I didn't even have the strength to be in the Word. I knew I needed to be in the house of God, and I couldn't even, I couldn't even muster up the strength to get to the house of God. You know, the devil knows that, doesn't he? The devil knows. If I just would have, if I just would have rolled out of the, of the hammock and gone and, and started tending to the fire, I'm, I'm telling you. That's what the enemy does. He keeps us from doing the very things. Here's, here's what I feel like the Lord showed me. Sometimes when you go to a, what looks like an old fire, and it's just a pile of ashes, because that's what some of you feel like. Some of you feel like this is just my life is just a, a, a pile of ashes. My life is a, uh, my best days are behind me. All, all of this stuff, if you take a stick, if you just start stirring around in those ashes a little bit, just start stirring, there's still, a, this is the picture that the Lord showed me for somebody this morning. He told me to tell you that the fire is not out in your life. Fire is not out. And he sent me to tell you that. And the wind of the Holy Spirit is beginning to blow on those fire. And, and somebody's going to bring some kindling this morning. I'm telling you, it may look what may look like ruins. What may look like ruins, there's still hope. Steve, if there's just one spark, anybody, a, good, a good Royal Ranger. Where are my, my former Royal Ranger commanders at? A good Royal Ranger knows, knows that it, just one spark, Sam. 
just one spark, you can get that fire going again. If you get the right tinder on there, if you get the right, the right breath of air on there, I'm telling you the fire of God, I'm preaching the fire of God back to fullness in your life again. What the devil meant in your life to bring ashes, there's beauty there, there's hope there, there's the fire of God there. Come on, somebody say, it's my fire. It's my fire. God is blowing that fire again. Fires go out when we forget to add more wood. More wood is daily time in the word and prayer. When we forget to add the sacrifice, the sacrifice is daily focused on Christ. And, and fires go out. I love it. It says every morning the priest is to add firewood and to arrange. There's three things in here. There's the firewood. Arrange the burnt offerings on the fire. So you have the, the word of God. You have Christ and burn the fat of fellowship. Jesus, I feel like maybe I'm misinterpreting this. Jesus said, get some fat in your diet. Maybe that's not exactly what he meant. But we need some fat in our diet. You know what fat is? It's, the fat. it's this. It's the fat of fellowship. It's the fat of of fellowship. We need, we need each other. We need the word. We need Christ and we need each other. We need to build the fires on the altar of our heart. We need to, we need to build the fire on the altar of our, of our homes. The fire on the altar of my house. Joshua 24, 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors who they served before beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. I love Joshua's declaration. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Pastor Nikki, it doesn't seem like Joshua asked his kids if they wanted to go to church that morning. It, see, it seems like Joshua was like, as for me and my house, my house, my rules, we're going to church. We are going to do this. I'm, I'm so thankful that my kids right now are in the stage of like dragging me to church. Like, I'm so thankful for that. Like, can we get, can we get to youth earlier? Like, they, there's so many things. Like, we almost had to uh, oh my goodness, I, I almost, you know, vacation and summer camp were overlapping and we weren't going on vacation because my kids wanted to go to summer camp. But there, is, there are some things that they didn't want to do. So they had never heard Pastor Harrison's dad wasn't the only one that heard of a virtual missions trip and was like, huh. That was kind of my kids' reaction as well. They're like, huh. I'm like, oh no, we are, do- we are doing the virtual missions trip. We did not take a vote in the Witherup household whether my children were going to do the virtual missions trip. We, as for me and my house, there's some things, grandparents, aunts, uncles, parents, can I encourage you? And I understand like the aunts and uncles thing and the grandparents thing is because you may not have jurisdiction. But as it, as it pertains to your ability, you have as long as your children, whether they are two or 32, if they are under your roof, as for me and my house, we will. We will serve the Lord. I want to encourage, I want to encourage you. Um, this, vir- this virtual missions trip is going to be a great discipleship opportunity. 
Think about doing that with your grandkids. Think about doing that with your kids. Thinking about getting, getting some people around the table and, and walking through those things and, and having that. It's an amazing opportunity to just look for opportunities to pass things on to the next generation. This, wor- this world needs to see hearts on fire, but this world needs to see families on fire. A family on fire that lives for God, that puts righteousness and truth and lives in a way. I'm telling you, that's like walking through uh, winter woods during a snowstorm and you see a log cabin with the fire on, fire burning. And there's people will be drawn, people will be drawn to families who have the fire of God burning in their their homes. And then it's the the fire on the altar of, of my church. And I use, that, I use that phrase intentionally. Not for me, for, for you. Say, say my church. Do you know that you're not only responsible for the fire in your heart, but you're responsible for the fire in our church? It's not the pastor's responsibility just to tend to the fire, but it's all of our responsibility to tend to this fire. Imagine if every person took responsibility for keeping that fire burning. Several weeks ago, we lost uh, on this earth a hero of the faith. There There were multiples in a row, and I could talk about any one of those multiples because they were all amazing men of God. But the one I want to talk about a little bit this morning is Pastor Phil Bennett. So Pastor, Pastor Phil was the prayer and congregational care pastor at Multiply uh, for over 20 years. He was, he was my friend. He was my mentor. He was my, my prayer partner. My, my life changed. Actually, it was right over there, and I'm going to go out of the stage light and the camera. People will get mad at me if I walk over there, so um, I won't do that to you. But it, w- but it was right there. It was right there. I was 23, 24 years old, and I had to get from this side of the church to that side of the church. And I could have walked around through the lobby, but I was being lazy. So I just used the, I just used the, the auditorium as a shortcut, as a cut through, and I just happened to run into Pastor Phil Bennett, and Pastor Phil said, hey, do you mind if I just share something that the Lord had put on my heart. And I said, of course, and long story short, he just started like sharing things that there was no way unless the Lord told him that he would have known that. And just he used, he began to use Pastor Phil to confirm things that were already in my heart and in my spirit. And that began this 20 plus uh, year relationship. And uh, several years ago, Pastor Phil moved to, to Raleigh to mentor, his, to mentor his grandkids. See, this is... Grandparents, this is the power of a, uh, uh, of a grandparent. Uh, Pastor Phil moved to Raleigh to mentor his grandkids. Every Thursday, he would go over uh, to their house, and he would, he would walk, he would teach them to pray. They had a little, little jar of their prayer requests, and when God answered a prayer, he would move it to the, to the next jar. He would teach them to hear from God and write down what God was saying for them. They would do Bible lessons. with. I mean, it didn't hurt that he gave them cookies afterwards, so like there was a reward on the other side of that. Um, but his grandkids called him, called him, they started calling him Bible Grandpa. 
That's what they call Like even when they were walking through the, the grocery store. Hey, Bible Grandpa, can we? Everybody's looking like Bible Grandpa. That's an appropriate name. Those of you that knew Pastor Phil, that's an appropriate name. Bible, Bible Grandpa. But Pastor Phil took that opportunity to mentor the next generation. But, but uh, years ago, the Lord spoke through Pastor Phil to begin a ministry of building altars of prayer. He was here in February, and we would meet like uh, once or twice a year. We'd go up to the mountains, or I'd meet him in Winston-Salem or different places. This time, this time he came here, and we got to spend some amazing time in prayer together. And then I grabbed him, I brought him into the studio. I said, Pastor Phil, would you, would you just shoot a video with me encouraging our watchmen, who I'll tell you about that ministry in just a moment. But anyway, I want you to watch this, this video shot just a few months ago from, from Pastor Phil. Hi, Multiply family. I'm here with Pastor Phil Bennett. Pastor Phil is my prayer partner and a prayer mentor in my life, has been for over two decades. You know, one of the most amazing ministries we have here at Multiply Church are our watchmen walls of prayer. Do you know that we have over 600 watchmen that have been covering our church in prayer for over 23 years? round-the-clock prayer for over 23 years. Pastor Phil, could you tell us, what are some of the things that the Lord has been doing recently? I know he has started watchman walls in places of the world that we haven't even wouldn't think of in Saudi Arabia. Exactly right. You know, we there's the underground church there, and with the COVID virus, you can't meet in churches anyway. So it was a perfect place for God to lead me to go and, and work with the underground church there. And 300 people we raised up to pray. Wow. And then that was last um, in the summer. Wow. And then in January. They've had a meeting and they decided to reach every region in Saudi Arabia. That's important because one of the largest pagan ministries in the world is the Muslims that are being held uh, in the fist of the enemy at Mecca and they're praying over to open up those heavens over that country. So um, that's really amazing. And once that prayer takes hold, then it always emphasizes unity and uh, soul winning. And that's what they're doing. They have unity with other churches, underground churches that are Jordan, Korea, and other nations that are underground in Saudi Arabia. And uh, so I'm really excited about it. That's absolutely amazing. And and we get that covering here at Multiply as well. We're, We're under that covering of prayer. And it opens up those those portals of heaven for God to pour out His His blessing, the souls, and Amen. so to all of our to our current watchmen out there, yeah. Pastor Phil, could you give some some encouragement? What tips would you have for our watchmen? Well, absolutely. One thing I would just say is that if you're not a watchman and you're sitting out there in church, become one. Yes. Enter that office of yes. being a watchman because it is a different office than say an intercessor. The watchman watches and prays takes the prayer needs and looks over them and then asks the Holy Spirit to lead them because we know not what to pray for and and burst the prayers in heaven. So all the needs for the youth and the uh, children's ministry and the seniors, uh, how God would have them pray. And you start growing and expanding your ministry as a watchman. And I'm still learning how to do that. Uh, Ezekiel and many great people in the Bible were watchmen. And so become a watchman yes. and, and become better at it. And That's one good. of the ways to give you power when you get on the wall to pray your one hour a week, uh, you're not praying one hour a day, just a right. week, is right. to have a devotional life during the day. That yes. really helps. 
be in the Word. You can pray through the whole Word, the entire Word in a year, wow. 15 minutes a day. Wow. And all the pages of the Word. That strengthens you, empowers Absolutely. you, and God can speak to you through the Word. And then also to spend time in prayer, praying for nations and things. So when you get on that wall and you're a watchman lined up with all the other watchmen on the wall for the church, you have that great power behind you and in front of yes. you, and you can uh, thrust into it. Absolutely. You know? Pastor Phil, we just want to say thank you. We honor you for, for being the founder of our Walls of Prayer, yeah. uh, Multiply Church. We are blessed because of these walls. So thank you, Pastor Phil, for your ministry. Thank you, Watchmen. Yeah. That hour a week, it matters. I was just yes. telling Pastor Phil, I can't imagine walking through this past <laughs> season of COVID without our covering. And then if you're not a Watchman, would you go ahead and join up? You can go to our app and uh, join and become a Watchman today. Thank you so much. Let's keep this, this revival of prayer going at Multiply Church. Amen. So would you go ahead and take the sheet you got when you when you came in? It's got the story of the Watchman Prayer Walls. I encourage you to read that. And, and on the back, would you go ahead and fill out? There's pens in front of you in your seat. Go ahead and put your name, put your phone number, put your email there, and then check one of two boxes. Either I am reaffirming my commitment because many of you are already on the walls and you have been for years, and but we want to reaffirm our commitment to the wall. And in just a few moments as we close this service, is I'm going to ask you to take those and bring those down and we're going to build altars. And then we need out of this service, I'm believing for 25 new watchmen, 25 new watchmen. So currently we have 428 watchmen. There's 168 hours in the week. 168 times three is 504. What if we have round the clock prayer from multiply concord, not just once, not just twice, but three times, like every hour covered three times. Can you imagine because where there's an altar, there's fire. And where there's fire, there's God's power and there's his presence and there's his protection and there's his provision. This past summer, uh, or, or last summer rather, in 2020, remember we would turn on the television and we would see cities across our nation and there were fires that were burning literally in the streets and they were fires of, of, of and I won't go all into all of that, but just it was like fires of destruction, right? Fires of destruction. What if there was a fire in our city, but it's the fire of the power of God, the fire of the power of God. And I believe with all of my heart that people from other parts of the country are going to begin to look at Cabarrus County. They're going to begin to call up our mayor and say, mayor, what's, what's going on in Cabarrus County? Like we see all this mess happening in all of these other places. What's going on in Cabarrus County? I believe it's because some prayer warriors at Multiply Church said, we're going to build an altar. And where there's an altar, there's fire. And where there's fire, there's God's power. But you can't, we can't be dependent on somebody else. We need, we need all of us. We need all of us. Camera guys, I'm sorry to do this to you. I am, I'm going to start walking all over the place here. Try and follow me the best you can. This, this brick, 23 years ago, Pastor Tom Whitten and Pastor Phil stood on this stage and they started. And so it's one hour a week. My hour is Wednesday at noon. So I got my hour but there's 167 other hours. Your past, I can't, church, I can't carry this fire by myself. I need you. 
I need you. I'm going to do my part, but I need, I need you. So I'll finish at one o'clock on Wednesday. Ken, I don't know when your hour is, but, but, but I need to, I need to pass that brick. I need to pass that brick. And Ken says, I got it. I got one o'clock on Wednesday. And then Ken begins to pray because we're praying for the missions trip that is going to Arizona this week. I see Naomi, you're leading that, you're leading that trip, right? And so Ken starts to pray and he's praying down. The Holy Spirit quickens his heart this week and he starts praying for you. And you need, and you're walking through a situation in that city that you need God's power and you need God's wisdom like right now. But back in Concord, somebody's building an altar and somebody's getting saved and pulled out of a cult of polygamy me all the way in Colorado but then but then it's two o'clock and your wife's like the yard needs mowed so you can't you can't do that and so you got to you got to pass that brick you got to pass that brick and then two two o'clock then on Wednesday Chris grabs that and he starts pulling out his prayer app, his multiply app, and he starts walking through there. And he sees that we're praying for the nations. And we're praying for through August. And we're praying for regions. And, and you notice that in Eurasia, 99% of people in Eurasia are spiritually lost. 99%, 99, you heard me correctly, 99% of people in Eurasia are spiritually lost. There are over 5,400 people groups that have no access. They've never even heard of the name of Jesus. And Chris starts interceding. And the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of his heart. And he starts crying out, God, send the harvest. Send workers. Send workers. Send workers. Send workers. And I wonder maybe that God would use Chris's prayer at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday to raise up a pastor in Eurasia. What if, what if that was our first Multiply International location? And then Chris passes that brick somebody else grabs that brick brick at three o'clock and you're praying you're praying for our schools and when i think pastor nikki i think we're praying for wine cough and jn freeze this week and one of the things that we're praying for this week is is the mental health of our students what if there's a little third grader that at eight years old is already wanting to check out end his life what if God uses that prayer as you're just saying, God, I break the chains of depression over our students. I break the chains because where you, where you build altars, there's a fire. And where there's fire, there's God's power and his presence and his protection. And every great revival movement that I've ever studied in history, it starts with prayer. Brownsville didn't start on Father's Day. In 1995, in that service, it started with two years of prayer. Dr. Cho, who leads the largest church in the world, over 750,000 members. You look at something like that and you're like, is there, is there a... Let me explain it like this. As I was talking to somebody um, and they told me this. They said when somebody asks them for a recipe, they'll give them almost the recipe some of y'all do this you give every every ingredient except for one it's like the secret ingredient and she says that she leaves out when she gives the recipe she leaves out that secret ingredient so that everybody says oh i just can't you know your macaroni and cheese is the best mac you know whatever whatever but like they left out 
Here's what I'm concerned about. That we look at other things that God is blessing and we try to do the same things and get the same results when we don't understand the secret ingredient. The reason that that church is 750,000 is because they have something called Prayer Mountain. At any given moment, you could walk to Prayer Mountain in Korea and over 10,000 believers and three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, thousands of believers are in that prayer mountain calling out to God. God, send revival. God, send revival. God, heal our land. God, set our generations free. That's, that's the secret sauce. I slipped over Pastor Harrison, who was up here earlier talking about the mission strip. He uh, was part of King's Castle Ministries in El Salvador. You got, your, you got your thing filled out, right? You got your thing filled out? You're like, what, well, uh, Pastor, I got to pray about it. No, you don't. There's some things you don't have to pray about. You don't have to pray about praying, okay? So go ahead and every, everybody fill this out. I got mine filled out, noon, noon on Wednesday. But I need 167 more just to, so we're going we're gonna to build an altar here in just a moment. Was, oh, Kristen, Kristen was, spent time there, one of our SEU students. They could tell you about the prayer tower in El Salvador. So years ago, there was uh, Don and Terry Triplett. God called them to El Salvador, and he called them to reach the, the children of El Salvador. Today, there are Castle of the King ministries, I think, in like 13 nations I mean, in Honduras and Nicaragua and Mexico and, and I think even in Spain and in other areas and like hundreds of thousands. I've seen some of you have been on those mission trips to, to uh, uh, South America and to Central America, Latin America and seen this Dominican, Dominican Republic, all of these areas, a powerful move of God. Like I've watched gang leaders and areas and churches be planted in areas where, where it was formerly the territory of the gang. Now it's the territory of the Lord, and the Lord's raising up churches. And so what, but what's the secret ingredient, right? That doesn't just, you, you can't just show up in a nation and be like, I'm here, Jesus loves you. It doesn't work that way. There's got to be that secret ingredient. There's got to be an altar of prayer built. Because prayer breaks down the altars of the enemy and it brings, it brings the power of God. Let me read. This is what the, God showed Pastor Phil. As you read the story, it's on the back of the second page. He says, I was shown by the Holy Spirit that the city of Leicester, this is in the UK, the city of Leicester had a dark cloud over it. And the only way to break it was through prayer. And the dark, dark cloud was the oppression of the enemies of Christ and there was no open heaven for God to move in. This prayer was not just to be a prayer group, but watch this, an altar of established unceasing prayer. If this was done, prayer would break through the dark cloud and reach the throne of the Most High God. Then an opening like Jacob's ladder would occur with angels descending and ascending to and from the city. 
I believe that that's what happened. That's what happens over your heart. That's what happens over your home. And that's what happens over our church and over our city. As we build this altar, it removes the altar of the kingdom of darkness. And an altar of prayer is established where healings can flow, where salvations can flow, where miracles can flow, where the power of God can flow, where the unity of the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit can flow. But it takes us all building an altar. Would you stand all across this place? Would you take this, this card? If, if you didn't get one on, on your way in, you can do it on your way out. But I'm going to ask Pastor Adam just to begin to lead us in this moment. And, and I just want to take three more minutes. And, and, and please, when you lay them here, go, you can go back to your seat. Don't leave. I want to play a, a collective prayer over all of this. But come on, can we, can we build an altar together? Can we build an altar together and say, I'll do my part. I'll do my part and pray for an hour a week. And we will build these altars of unceasing prayer. Come on, if you'll make that commitment, will you just bring your card and lay it down on this altar as we worship together? Jesus has given me when I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority that Jesus has given me. going to show you how this works right now. Give me two more minutes. The Lord's going to show you how this works. So where there is an altar, there's an open portal of heaven. I need you to step in and begin to build the altar over your house. So if there's disunity in your house, I need you to tell that disunity to leave. If there's a lack of peace, if there's a lack of joy, whatever it is, come on, you are the priest of your home. And I want you to just take about 30 seconds
hands and tear down the altar of the enemy. So Father, right now we tear down altars of addiction. We tear down altars of disunity. We tear down altars of depression. We tear down, come on, I can't, I can't pray this prayer for you. You're the priest of your home. You are the, you are the builder of the altar. You're responsible for the fire in your house. Come on, take the authority that God has given you and now begin to build that altar of joy. Begin to speak peace into your house. Begin to speak obedience into your house. Begin to speak life. Begin to speak the presence of God. Come on, build that altar. Let's lift our voices one more time. right now what's happening right now is there were some cracks in the wall there were some breaks in the wall but some of these cards what they represent is an hour where that gap is filled and now we're filling those cracks so devil you gotta leave our homes you gotta leave this church you gotta leave our county you gotta leave our schools in the name of Jesus we're building an altar we're building an altar come on somebody say my fire my fire, my fire, my fire, my fire, my power, my presence, because it's what Jesus did for me. The only thing we're responsible to tend the fire, but it's his sacrifice, church. It's his sacrifice. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, You can tend to the fire, but you can't provide the sacrifice, only the sacrifice of Jesus, the pure, unblemished sacrifice of the living Jesus who lived the life that you couldn't live and died the death that you deserve to die. And so if you're away from the Lord today and you need to give your heart to the Lord as I pray this out loud, I want you to just pray it silently as you're at your seat. Say something like this, dear Jesus, I repent of my sin. And acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I come to the cross and ask the blood of Jesus to wash my heart pure. Come into my life. Come into my heart so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.